The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. And it just started, so let's head over there. We'll start this afternoon with Premier Kenny. Good afternoon. I'm pleased to be joined by uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, as well as by uh, Minister of Environment and Parks and Government House Leader uh, Jason Nixon and Minister of Service for Service Alberta, uh, Nate Glubish. There are now about 550,000 reported cases of infection of COVID-19 worldwide, and 25,000 deaths have been attributed to the virus. The corresponding numbers in Canada are 44,000, sorry, 4,000 cases and 39 deaths. And in Alberta, the case count rose by 56 since yesterday to a total of 542, while the number of deaths remains at two. Dr. Hinshaw will discuss the latest data in more detail and bring you up to date on various strategic moves that Alberta Health Service has taken uh, to slow the spread. And let me thank once again all of the folks doing tremendous work uh, at AHS, in our hospitals, our paramedics, nurses and doctors uh, and our public health officials uh, led so capably by Dr. Hinshaw. At a meeting of the Emergency Management Committee of Cabinet earlier today, we determined that several new measures are necessary to further strengthen protection for Albertans uh, for both their health uh, and uh, economic impacts of the COVID-19 crisis. First, the maximum size of group gatherings is immediately reduced from 50 to no more than 50. 15. So that's from 550-1515. This includes family gatherings such as weddings, funerals, as well as religious celebrations. And while getting outdoors for fresh air and exercise is important to both our physical and mental health, uh, this must not occur in groups of more than 15 people. Also, at all such gatherings, indoors and out, the two meter social distancing guideline must be observed. And to further prevent large group gatherings, we are closing vehicle access to provincial parks and public lands. Minister Nixon will have more to say about this in just a few minutes. The second new measure we're announcing today is the immediate closure of non-essential businesses, including close contact businesses like hair salons and barbershops, tattoo and piercing studios and aesthetic services, as well as wellness studios and clinics and non-emergency and non-critical health services provided by regulated health professionals or registered professionals, including dentistry, physiotherapy, massage, podiatry, chiropractic, and optometry services. Furthermore, all dine-in restaurants must close now for dine-in service, but they can continue to offer uh, takeout and delivery services. Uh, and uh, non-essential retail stores like clothing stores, computer and gaming stores, and services and shopping malls such as hobby and toy stores, gift and specialty item stores and furniture stores must also close at this time. Uh, all of these closures uh, will be subject to the enhanced penalties and enforcement provisions that were introduced by the government earlier this week. The actions we are taking are tough but necessary to protect public health. We understand that behind every such decision lies uh, tens of thousands of jobs and businesses that will throw people into uh, economic and financial anxiety. 
and I'll say more about what we and the Government of Canada are doing in a moment to try to assist those individuals facing this time of great economic challenge. But the more, the more that we comply with rules like these being recommended uh, by our public health experts, the faster we can get through all of this and restart our economy. These rules are consistent with the array of public health and economic measures that we have implemented over the last uh, three weeks to contain the spread of the virus and protect the health, safety, food, shelter and income security of the most vulnerable. Of course, large parts of our economy have effectively ground to a halt, and many people are hurting. And that is why we've acted uh, with so many measures, including the uh, Alberta self-isolation emergency payment uh, to bridge people until they can qualify for the widely enhanced federal employment insurance benefits uh, with a one-time payment for two weeks of over $1,100. Already over 16,000 applications have been processed uh, by Service Alberta and more than $18.5 million has been dispersed to folks in self-isolation. Uh, and I apologize uh, on behalf of the government for the fact that the uh, Service Alberta site crashed a couple of times. Uh, frankly, it was never designed for this kind of uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelming demand. And I want to thank our officials at Service Alberta for working around the clock for the last two days to maintain service so that those applications can be made and processed. We have also moved to protect Albertans unable to pay their power and heating bills due to COVID-related financial hardship by working with utility companies to defer payments for 90 days without fear of being cut off. Furthermore, we are implementing a six-month interest-free moratorium on student loan payments and we've frozen the education portion of property taxes at last year's level, a move that will save Albertans $45 million. Uh, We've also worked with Alberta Treasury Board, uh, branches, pardon me, financial credit unions and the major char chartered banks to encourage uh, deferrals on mortgage payments and on terms for loans and credit. Uh, today we are announcing uh, that we are allowing businesses to defer the tourism industry levy uh, until August 31st. This will free up $5 million in cash that can be used to pay employees and to keep the lights on. Today I'd like to make an important announcement uh, about supporting renters who are concerned about their ability uh, to pay their rent during this challenging time. Minister Glubish will provide more details, but it's important to note that the actions we are announcing today are designed to address uh, the, the needs of renters, uh, but also to uh, ensure that landlords don't end up going out of business, because if they did that, uh, that would reduce the availability of housing to Albertans. So this is a, a balanced but strong package to help renters who are under financial pressure right now. First. No one will be evicted uh, April 1 uh, for non-payment of rent. I repeat, no one will be evicted uh, at the beginning of the next month for non-payment of rent. Civil enforcements of evictions currently underway for tenants for non-payment of rent will be suspended until April 30. And that includes folks who were uh, had not been able to pay their rent for the last few months. Second,
No one will see their rent increase while Alberta's state of public health emergency remains in effect. I repeat, we are putting a freeze on uh, the uh, uh, rent levels as they are uh, effective today. There will be no rent increases, including rent increases for which notice was given months ago. Third, no one will pay late fees for missing their rent payments over the next three months. Again, uh, we are suspending late fees for uh, late payment. And fourth, for as long as the public health emergency remains in effect, landlords will be obliged to negotiate payment plans that accommodate their renters' financial circumstances. Renters will be obliged to pay their rent as fully and consistently as possible, and both the renters and the landlords will be obliged to take into account uh, the financial supports they are getting from the provincial and federal governments. So that is to say, I know there's a lot of folks who had to self-isolate or they got laid off in the last two or three weeks. They haven't had income, uh, but in April, they should either be receiving uh, right now the uh, Government of Alberta Emergency Isolation Payments or in April, uh, the enhanced federal in, em, employment insurance benefits uh, that should help many people uh, to make the rent in the future. Finally, to be clear, all these protections will be voided for any renter who willfully damages or commits criminal acts within their landlord's property. We want landlords to understand that they can still protect the value of their property from um, uh, renters who may be breaking the law or damaging their property. Uh, I want to thank the Government of Canada for uh, a number of measures introduced this week, including today's announcement about a 75 percent um, uh, salary replacement or subsidy program for small for the employees of small and medium-sized enterprises. This is something that I've been strongly advocating with the Government of Canada for the past two weeks. Uh, in fact, I, I spoke to most of the premiers who endorsed this concept, and I'm very happy to see that this is being implemented because it will allow uh, um, uh, businesses, small and medium-sized employers, to keep a connection with their employees during this challenging time, uh, which will allow for a faster restart of the economy when we get through this. Having said that, I need to reiterate Alberta's urgent call for serious federal action for liquidity for our oil and gas industry. Today, the price of Western Canadian Select Oil has been trading as low as $5. There is a flood of OPEC oil coming on to the North American energy markets. This, in my view, constitutes predatory dumping by unfriendly dictatorships that are seeking to drive the North American energy producers out of business. We cannot let them win. And that is one of the reasons earlier today I spoke to the U.S. Undersecretary of State for Energy, uh, Francis Fannin, and other leaders in Washington. Over the days to come, I will be speaking to both congressional administration leaders and governors in the United States about pursuing coordinated North American action to defend our energy jobs, and industry from this predatory dumping by OPEC into our market, which jeopardizes our entire economy. 
Uh, yesterday I spoke uh, to all of 12 of my colleagues, the premiers of the provinces and territories, and I want to pass on to Albertans how touched I am to hear profound expressions of support and solidarity for this province, given that we're not just going through the COVID crisis and the global recession, but also a, a massive attack against our largest industry. And I heard from premiers from coast to coast, right across the political spectrum, who said that Alberta has been there for Canada, for their provinces and regions uh, for decades, and now Canada needs to be there for Alberta. And I heard uh, the strongest possible endorsement for our call for emergency uh, federal uh, credit backstop to provide for liquidity for our oil and gas sector. Uh, yesterday I also spoke to the board of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers uh, and uh, discussed with them other things that the government of Alberta is doing uh, to help them get through this, the most challenging time in the history of Canada's energy sector. Let me be blunt with Albertans. We are facing what will likely be the largest single contraction in our economy in our history. These are going to be very challenging days ahead. Governments are acting, and we are a resilient and remarkably innovative people. I want Albertans to understand with realism what we are about to go through, what many people are already going through. But please remember that we have each other, and we will get through this. Finally, I'm announcing that uh, the legislature will be reconvened uh, this coming Tuesday uh, to sit for likely two days to pass a, a series of uh, amendments uh, for emergency legislation to support the government's response to COVID-19. Minister Nixon will have more to say about that. And I would like to introduce uh, uh, Service Alberta Minister Nate Glubish to give you more information about our protection for renters in a balanced uh, a package that we are that became effective at one o'clock today. Minister Glubish. Thank you very much, Premier. Um, uh, as the Premier <coughs> noted, we are taking four measures to protect Albertans. Uh, and first of all, uh, no one in Alberta will be evicted for non-payment of rent in the month of April. Um, second of all, uh, eviction protection will continue thereafter for the duration of the public health emergency for tenants who work with their landlords to establish meaningful and reasonable partial payment plans. Third, uh, no one will see their rent increase for the duration uh, of the public health emergency. And fourth, no one will pay any late fees uh, for missing their rent payments uh, over the next three months. It goes without saying that the economic impacts of COVID-19 is creating stress for many Albertans, including uh, the tenants, uh, who, many tenants who are concerned about making their rental payments at the end of the month. And these measures are designed to help mitigate these impacts. But these measures are also about public safety to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. In temporarily suspending uh, evictions for the month of April, we are ensuring that Albertans who have been unable to pay their rent uh, are not putting themselves at risk or others at risk in a time when we are practicing self-isolation uh, and social or physical distancing. But even during this time, we are asking landlords and tenants to work together for the months to come. Uh, if a tenant is unable to pay their rent, the, their landlord must make a reasonable effort to create a meaningful, flexible payment plan uh, in collaboration with their tenant and may not apply to evict their tenant if such a plan has not been entered to or reasonably attempted to be entered into. 
self-isolation and social distancing requirements are affecting Albertans' incomes. And that's why we've added additional measures to help relieve their financial stress. And as long as the state of the public health emergency is in place, landlords may not increase rent. Uh, if a rent increase was supposed to come into place during this emergency, it, is, it will be frozen at the previous rate. This measure also applies not only to traditional tenancies, but also to mobile home site tenancies. And furthermore, late fees may not be charged from April 1st to June 30th. As we encourage, uh, as we encourage tenants to work with their landlords, we do not want them to be penalized for good faith efforts to make meaningful partial payments. We are confident that these measures, in addition to previous measures that we have announced, and in addition to supports from the federal government, will help Albertans to meet their rent obligations while providing them the security and stability they need uh, for their homes. And now I'll have my colleague, Minister Nixon, share his update. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Uh, just about an hour ago, I signed two ministerial orders in regards to access to our parks, and I'm here today to inform Albertans that effective immediately, vehicle access for recreational activities is temporarily suspended to access points in our provincial parks. This includes parking lots and staging areas. I want to be clear that this is only for recreational purposes. First Nations, MAT, traditional uses are still permitted, as is access for forestry and oil, gas, oil and gas gas operations, businesses and residents of course who operate or live inside parkland will not be affected by this decision. Now is not the time to drive to visit our provincial parks or public land for recreational purposes. To be clear, if a car is required to access a park, do not go. If you have plans to drive and visit one of these areas in the coming days, please cancel your plans. We recognize that this news is disappointing to our avid park users and recreationists. However, we all must do our part to reduce the spread of COVID-19. People who do choose to access parks should only do so by non-motorized means or by being dropped off and picked up. I must also remind Albertans that all of our provincial park facilities are closed and have been closed for over a week. To washrooms, structures, uh, education centers, ski hills, and everything in between, including winter camping, warm up huts, cook shacks, etc. The safety of our park visitors, staff, and volunteers, uh, and minimizing the spread of COVID 19 is our top priority. Enforcement officers will be doing routine checks in provincial parks and public land areas starting this weekend to support education and aware awareness on temporary closures. AEP officers, Alberta Environment Park officers, have the authority underneath the measures that the Premier announced two days ago as well to be able to issue tickets uh, for people not following the rules. We're very serious about these measures. Officers can issue fines for non-compliance if required. Officers can also issue fines for littering, something that we saw far too often this weekend across the province. Last weekend revealed a disturbing trend of people not exercising physical distancing, leaving behind large amounts of garbage and human waste in some of our provincial parks. By restricting access, we're helping prevent this from happening again, but most importantly, these measures will help with overcrowding and ensuring physical distancing. Although cars are not permitted, uh, horseback riding and off-highway vehicle use are still permitted where it is already legal to do so, but I want to remind everyone to continue to practice appropriate social distancing. Another reason that I'm bringing in these restrictions uh, related to is related to wildlife in our parks, uh, the improper disposing of garbage and waste, uh, and our struggle to get it out of parks at the moment has a potential to draw wildlife to the area like bears that are coming out of hibernation at this moment. 
This creates a public safety issue, of course, uh, for people visiting the parks uh, when we do resume normal operations. These are challenging and delicate times, and we must all do our part to minimize the spread of COVID-19. I look forward to resuming normal operations in the future and connecting families in Alberta to nature and recreation across the province. On another note, as the Premier mentioned, uh, we are calling back the Legislature on Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. I spoke with, and I see that she's here, uh, the official opposition House Leader, Ms. Sweet, a couple hours ago uh, to inform her of that. I, my understanding is the official opposition caucus is healthy and well, uh, and I can tell you that the uh, conservative, or sorry, the government caucus is the same. However, over the weekend, Ms. Sweet and I's teams will be working to put in social distancing protocols into the chamber uh, to make sure that we can meet the requirements and show leadership as well in the legislature and keep the 87 members of the chamber safe uh, in the weeks to come. But I, we will be returning at 1.30 on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be holding a press conference Tuesday morning to go over the legislation that we anticipate. Uh, we won't be talking about that in great detail today because we want to uh, give the official opposition uh, time to be able to go over that. Good afternoon. There we go. That's better. Good afternoon. Thank you all for coming. Today, uh, as you have heard, we are announcing new measures to slow the spread of COVID-19. First, I want to report that we have confirmed, as Premier mentioned, 56 new cases of COVID-19 in the province. This includes two new cases at the Mackenzie Town Long-Term Care Facility, which brings the total number of cases at this facility to 15. There have now been 542 cases identified in our province. We suspect up to 42 of these total cases may be community transmission from an unknown source, which is an increase of eight from yesterday. Currently, 23 individuals are being treated in hospital, 10 of those in the ICU. I'm pleased to share that we can confirm that 33 Albertans have recovered, an increase of six from yesterday. These recoveries are included in the 542 total cases. As you know, our approach since we learned of this virus has been to very closely assess the situation in our province and respond accordingly to protect the health of Albertans. This response already includes aggressive public health measures and a higher rate of testing than any other province in Canada. These are important steps. Yet even with these measures in place, we are still observing increases in cases confirmed in every age group. The number of cases of community transmission in the province is steadily rising. Across Canada, over half of all new cases are now linked to spread in the community. Stronger intervention measures are needed now to slow the spread of this virus. Premier Kenny already shared that effective today, all gatherings in the province must be limited to 15 people or fewer, and social distancing of two meters must be observed. Additionally, Albertans are restricted from accessing close contact services. A complete list of services affected is available on the alberta.ca website. It is important to remember that even when a gathering is smaller than 15, Albertans must still follow all public health measures that we've put in place. No matter where you are or what you're doing, practice social distancing by staying two meters apart at all times. No matter the work site or gathering place, take steps to make sure that anyone who is ill does not attend. If you are feeling unwell, you must stay home. 
Our health system is also taking new steps to prepare for the increase in new cases related to COVID-19. Effective immediately, Alberta Health Services will be postponing any diagnostic imaging procedures that are considered non-urgent by the ordering physician. To be clear, anyone needing outpatient or emergent outpatient CTs and MRI scans will still receive one. This will help limit opportunities for the virus to spread by limiting the amount of people entering our diagnostic imaging facilities. As well, Alberta Precision Laboratories and DynaLife are asking physicians and community providers to immediately stop all non-essential and routine laboratory testing. Any blood work that is critical to a patient's immediate care will continue to be tested, but we must free up more lab space for our aggressive COVID-19 testing. This will help us relieve the strain on the laboratory system and free up more resources for testing related to COVID-19. To help ease the demand on our hardworking healthcare professionals, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta has developed a tool for Alberta physicians to self-report their ability to be redeployed for clinical services during the COVID-19 pandemic. The aggressive measures we're taking today are not ones we take lightly and I know they will impact the lives of many people. These restrictions were chosen after detailed analysis of spread within our province and consideration of what other jurisdictions have done. As we have done from the start, we are assessing the situation and responding accordingly. I recognize that these measures are fundamentally reshaping people's lives. As I have said, we know that these measures may need to be in place for many weeks or even months. This is a delicate balance and we are implementing the restrictions that appear right for the situation in Alberta at this time. I want to be clear about the mechanism that we have used to implement these restrictions, especially for businesses like retails, retail outlets. These measures restrict Albertans from attending these locations to purchase goods. However, the owners of these businesses may continue to sell through online measures or curbside pickup. We continue to weigh the economic impacts and the health impacts of these measures. And if the situation changes, we may need to take stronger measures in the future. Each of us must continue to do everything we can to flatten the curve and keep our friends and family and ourselves healthy. This weekend, please practice social distancing in every facet of your lives. Stay home if you can. If you are healthy and want to get out for fresh air, please do so but stay two meters away from anyone else and keep away from crowded trails and parks. I want to stress that those who fall ill with COVID-19, symptoms or any other illness have not done anything wrong and should not be treated as if they should be punished. I urge you to reach out to those you know who are feeling unwell and try to support them perhaps by texting, calling or dropping off food. Those who are experiencing any symptoms, no matter how mild they seem, should share that information with their employer. If anyone is in need of emergency medical services, we have heard some people not disclosing symptoms of cough, runny nose or fever for fear that they will not receive treatment. I want to assure people that they will receive treatment and it is important to tell the dispatcher if you were calling for emergency medical services, if you were experiencing symptoms such as fever, runny nose, cough or difficulty breathing. 
This will mean that workers can help you while protecting themselves and preventing spread. Our healthcare workers are doing a tremendous job in an extraordinary time. They will not deny you care that is necessary for any reason. I want to stress overall that the future of this pandemic is in all of our hands. We have a say in how COVID-19 will impact our province. The measures we are putting in place today are significant, but they are small compared to the hundreds of decisions that each of us must make every day. So please, it seems small, but wash your hands regularly. Stay home if you're feeling sick and stay away from others, even in your own household, if you are not feeling well. We all have a role to play. Your health is and always has been our top priority. Thank you. And now we'll all take questions. Go ahead, Dean. So it's one question rule? Yes, please. A question for the Premier, please. Premier, we're going to try and jam this all up into one question here. So <laughs> I know how you do that, Dean. Uh, um, I'm assuming your health minister has just put out a statement, and I'm assuming you've been briefed on, on recent actions by him. Um, what do you think of his behavior recently in these actions? Is this befitting a minister of the Crown, and will you take the suggestion of the NDP that, uh, that this is a pattern of erratic, unfocused behavior and that the minister needs to be uh, dismissed at this time? No, I don't accept that at all. Uh, last week, there was an online campaign of de defamation and harassment of Minister Chandra's wife uh, based on completely spurious, false, disproven allegations which have been dismissed by the Ethics Commissioner, uh, including uh, death threats that were issued against his wife. I think any Albertan would understand that a husband or wife will get passionate when their spouse is being attacked and even threatened and certainly defamed. Uh, when Minister Chandra saw that um, his wife was being defamed by a neighbour who, uh, who had been an acquaintance of his for many years, he went down to chat with the neighbour and asked that the post be deleted, and it was deleted. Um, I understand the Minister issued a statement saying that if anybody took a, if the neighbours took offence at having been approached about this, uh, he, he's sorry for that. For, as far as I'm concerned, that's the end of the matter. He's meeting all day in negotiations with the Alberta Medical Association. I've told Tyler he should probably just stay away from social media. Don't be distracted by the trolls. Just stay focused on his job. Um, all right, let's go to the phone. Operator, can you put through the first caller, please? Yeah, first question is Terry Reese with CBC. And just a reminder, uh, we do not have time for follow-up calls. You only get one question, so make them count. Go ahead, Terry. Certainly. Uh, question is for Dr. Hinshaw. I wanted to go back to a question that was asked on Wednesday because there seems to be a lot of confusion around treatment of people who are in long-term care facilities. Could you please clarify when a person who is in a long-term care facility would or could or should or should or could uh, be moved to an acute care hospital uh, and uh, whether there is uh, any best practice uh, around that? What are the advantages and disadvantages to moving them? So uh, anyone who's in a long-term care facility, uh, I would, um, it's part of best practice that anyone in those facilities would have an advanced directive or would have had conversations with their loved ones, with the staff about their wishes, what should happen to them at the end of their life. Uh, and so with that in mind, uh, anyone in a long-term care facility who has an illness, whether that's COVID-19 or another illness, it would be the decision of the individual in discussion with their family, with 
with the staff about what measures are needed to keep them comfortable, uh, what measures are needed to treat them appropriately. We know with COVID-19, although again there are many uh, research trials going on, we don't have a medication uh, that we know to be curative at this point. So many of the measures that can be taken for COVID-19 are more supportive in nature and can be very aggressive, such as admission to an intensive care unit, a potential intubation. So it depends on the wishes of that individual in a long-term care facility. Uh, if they would wish, uh, and if their medical condition, um, again, if, if they, uh, in conversation with their caregivers, with their family, uh, that, that measures that would be that aggressive would be ones that they would wish to be taken, and it's the, uh, after discussion with the team that that's appropriate, then, um, then they would certainly be able to be transferred for that care. Uh, if they need measures that can be provided in the facility, and again, many people, even those in long-term care, will have mild illness. Not everyone gets severe illness. So those who don't need to be transferred and who can receive appropriate care uh, for mild or even moderate illness in place in the facility, that's their home, and that's the most appropriate place for them to receive care, just like any other Albertan. If they should get more severe illness, and again, if it would be consistent with their wishes uh, and consistent with conversations with their family and caregivers, uh, then they absolutely could be transferred to hospital for more intensive care if that's uh, appropriate to their situation. So again, it really depends on the individual, how ill they are, what care they need, what can be provided in that location, uh, and what they, they may wish to have happen in terms of more intensive treatment. Go ahead, Julia. Hi, this question is for Dr. Hinshaw. Um, BC released some model, uh, modeling data today showing that their restrictions have had the, the spread of the disease within the province. Considering that Alberta is taking similar measures and is taking even more aggressive measures today, what can Albertans expect and when can Albertans expect that data to be released for our province? So Albertans can be confident that the measures that we're taking are reducing the spread of disease. Uh, the question about by how much and those numbers, uh, we are a little bit behind BC. They've had cases for longer than we have. So they've been able to use their actual data and their own transmission data uh, to be able to feed into that, whereas we've really only had cases for about three weeks. And community spread in terms of those cases that were not known to be travel related are even more recent than that. So for us, it's going to take a little bit longer to be able to look at how our own data can inform our modeling. Uh, and we're going to be, we continue to have conversations about how we track the impacts of our interventions, how we monitor that over time. Uh, and so I, I can't, I don't know exactly what date we'll be able to release our own modeling. Uh, but, you know, as I've said before, all, all of the modeling, whether it's BC, Saskatchewan, or, or our own, is taking the the pieces of data that we know and then making projections out it's not a it's not a guarantee that that is what will happen in the future it's just kind of a best estimate with known data and then looking at what's happened in other jurisdictions so again i think i would say stay tuned i don't have an exact date uh, but i know that there's a lot of interest in our own modeling and and so we continue to take that into account as we we continue to adjust based on our own information Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Yes, next question is Chris Varco with the Calgary Herald. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, the question is for the Premier. Uh, Premier, today, uh, Western Canadian flex was down to 450 a barrel at one point. Will you use curtailment to manage the situation and shut in more oil? And secondly, what kind of coordinated action on oil markets are you considering pursuing with your North American partners? 
On the first question, Chris, no, uh, there's no point in using curtailment. The industry is going to be curtailing voluntarily at prices uh, of, at that level, ridiculously low level. Um, and um, our greater concern, Chris, is uh, w what will happen to North American energy markets over the course of the next uh, uh, quarter, where we see uh, what I characterize as predatory dumping, uh, primarily Saudi oil, uh, in the U.S. Gulf Coast uh, complex. And uh, that is going to back up to t uh, the uh, inventories and storage tanks to tank tops, first the Gulf, then that, then I'm concerned that's going to back up to the Midwest, and um, and and you will see. I I fear if the if the Saudis and Russians continue this foolishness in the midst of a crash in demand, uh, you will see. Um, a, a, these kind of catastrophically low prices uh, for some time and, and, and ultimately uh, uh, producers will have uh, nowhere to ship in the short term. So I, I don't think that that curtailment, uh, the government mandated curtailment is relevant at this point. Uh, I am however opening a conversation with um, our friends in the United States about the need for coordinated action to protect the North American energy industry which is a key part of our economy and represents millions of jobs in the the North American continent. Um, some measures would include potentially uh, uh, tariffs uh, on uh, foreign oil imports or um, certainly a potential uh, investigation into dumping activity by OPEC into the uh, North American market. I know that I believe 13 U.S. Senators have written uh, to the President uh, calling for such an investigation to be launched. Um, once we get through the COVID downturn and see a demand return, um, then I, I think at some point in the future, we may want to pursue something like a coordinated approach to curtailment of production across North America. And um, at, at that point to stabilize prices. Uh, so these are all uh, uh, conceptual uh, it, policy instruments at this point. What I'm trying to remind uh, our partners in Washington uh, and uh, places like Texas I I of is that we must be partners on a North American basis in part so that we don't end up being sideswiped by any potential American action to defend the industry. I'll come back to the floor, go ahead. Uh, this question's for Dr. Henshaw. Uh, we received word today that the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has shut down a production uh, plant, Harmony Beef, that's just outside of Calgary due to concerns over COVID-19. How concerned should employees who work there be and should consumers who consume beef be concerned as well? So I am aware that there was one case in a, a worker at that plant and the information I received from local public health is that a small number of close contacts had been identified and those close contacts were being contacted today to inform them of the need to stay home. Uh, the information I had as of this morning was that the total number of people who were impacted was not significant enough to impact the operations of the plant. Uh, so I can't comment on the decision to shut that down. Uh, but this is not a foodborne illness, so this would not be considered considered to be a concern with respect to the, the food that comes out of that plant. Uh, so again, I, I would not be able to, to comment on the reasons for that, whether they wanted to perform some environmental cleaning. Uh, again, that I wasn't aware of that decision, but I, I do know from the information I have, again, that uh, this wouldn't be considered to be a significant risk to the public, and that small number of close contacts were going to be followed up with today. Add, add to that. 
I'd just like to supplement Dr. Hinshaw's answer by saying that um, we're disappointed. Our understanding is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency believes that uh, the plant has been cleaned, all the protocols have been followed, and that the plant is safe to reopen for production, but that some individual CI, CFIA inspectors have refused to go back to the job. Um, and so our Minister of Agriculture for Alberta, Minister Treshin, is working with his officials to see if we can instead substitute Alberta inspectors uh, into that facility or any other facilities because we also have concerns about a shortage of CFIA inspectors at some of the other meatpacking plants in Alberta. We are seeing a huge increase in demand um, for those products and uh, we cannot have uh, the CFIA effectively impairing our entire livestock industry by having people refusing to go on the job. And let me just say something more generally about this. I also saw a story today about uh, uh, Service Canada employees now refusing to show up for work even though they're getting paid. We understand that people are, are right to be concerned and anxious about COVID-19. However, it is critical that people in our public service continue to offer important services to people. It's more important now than ever. Of course, uh, people on the front lines of public services, be they CFIA inspectors, Service Canada employees, must and, and should take all appropriate health precautions, follow all of the protocols. In the case of CIF, CFIA inspectors, they wear basically full, virtually full hazmat suits in those plants and, and, and masks and gloves and I mean there are, there are very strict protocols about uh, hygiene and the, in the case of, um, of folks at Service Canada offices, uh, they can, there's lots of things that they can do to uh, uh, maintain distance from, from, from customers and, and maintain sanitation in those offices. But for heaven's sakes, um, you, know, you know, we have millions of Canadians who are uh, ending up, who are losing their jobs right now, who need government benefits. And so I would ask uh, folks across the broader public sector to realize in, in a way they're fortunate that they continue to get a paycheck where many in the private sector are being laid off by, by the millions right now. So I think with that paycheck comes an expectation that we provide services to the public. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Next question is from Emma Graney with the Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Emma. Yeah, good night, Premier. Thanks for taking my question, mate. Um, I want to go back to what Varco asked. You were talking there about this North American oil market. Would you be interested then in, in something like a closed market whereby there are no um, imports of oil from any other country outside of North America allowed into Canada and the U.S. And just how much do you think your ideas that you just floated earlier are actually going to be palatable to the United States? I would be interested in that. And in terms of the palatability of those ideas, there is a very lively policy debate in, in Washington right now. Uh, dozens of U.S. senators and congressmen ha and uh, several U.S. governors have expressed uh, support for some of these ideas. Let me put it this way. The United States, American taxpayers, have spent 
I suspect trillions of dollars providing a de facto security guarantee for OPEC energy producers over the last several decades. But in the past 10 years, the United States, with the support of increased oil production from Canada, has become energy independent. We now have North American energy independence. North America has, over the past five years, become a net exporter of, uh, of energy to the rest of the world. How ironic would it be that after all of those decades of maintaining security in the Persian Gulf, that the North American energy industry would then be, uh, its entire existence would be jeopardized by uh, dumping, predatory dumping by Saudi Arabia and OPEC dictatorships in a price war with Vladimir Putin's Russian autocracy. That's the message I conveyed to Washington today, and I will be in the days and weeks to come, that we need to, to, that this is not just a question of jobs in the economy, although it very much is that. It's also a question of geopolitical security, of our, of our vital security interests here in North America. We cannot allow uh, the Saudis and Russians effectively to run us out of the business of producing energy, which is an essential part of functioning a modern economy. That's the message I've conveyed. There are lots of different potential policy responses, uh, but we're opening up that conversation right now. Come back to the floor. Go ahead. Um, this is a question for the Premier. Uh, some critics are suggesting that Minister Shandro's behavior uh, or has, his actions are part of a pattern of behavior that members and employees of your government um, can be confrontational when their actions are challenged. How would you respond to that? I would respond by saying that's uh, completely untrue, that uh, I don't think there's a pattern of ministers having their uh, spouses uh, viciously attacked uh, with online defamation, harassment, bullying, and even death threats. And I would understand anybody responding passionately to such a circumstance. All right, let's go back to the phone. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Next question is Rafi Boutikanian from CBC. Go ahead, Rafi. Uh, hi there. A uh, question for Minister Nixon. I was wondering about this idea of restricting uh, vehicular access to provincial parks. Um, if the idea is to protect park inspectors and so on, why aren't we, uh, and minimize these gatherings, why not just shut down these parks completely? Well, the reality is that uh, in Alberta, we are blessed with a tremendous amount of public land. Uh, the capacity, our full square footage of public land is bigger than most European countries. In fact, many times bigger uh, than most European countries. Uh, so the reality is not all park and recreation space is the same. So we're going to focus on areas where large amounts of people drive to and congregate using staging areas, parking lots, uh, and those type of places where we see lots of people uh, coming to. That will be the focus of the department right now. Whereas other areas of public lands across the, uh, the the province are actually people's backyards, and if we're not seeing large congregations of people there, we actually want to encourage people to be able to utilize outside uh, for their mental health purposes while they're going through self-isolation or as we're working through this together as a province. With that said, we will be evaluating how this progresses uh, across the province, doing uh, and taking steps in the future if we're seeing other areas of the province seeing the same level of abuse that we saw in places like Kananaskis this weekend. Uh, and I will be watching my department to make sure that the staff at Alberta Environment are able to uh, to keep up uh, with uh, with what's taking place out in the field as far as their protection. Uh, one of the things that I won't tolerate is 
us having to use large amounts of uh, PPE for our officials because we need to make sure that's being diverted to uh, homeless shelters and of course the hospitals. So we'll be watching to see how this impacts staff and we'll, we'll see how it goes across the province. I think what's important though is a clear message that we are not looking for large amounts of people to be congregating in certain parts of provincial parks uh, and we will take action uh, if that is taking place uh, starting uh, today at 12 o'clock. Come back to the floor, go ahead. Question for Dr. Hinshaw. Um, I was hoping you could explain what changed between yesterday and today in putting in a lower limit for gatherings of people going from 50 to 15. Sure, so I think that the important thing to know is that any of these recommendations that are taken forward take a while to work through. And so as I said yesterday, we are continuously looking at the options. And so yesterday we were making this consideration, but we hadn't yet had the chance to bring it forward for full deliberation at the Emergency Management Cabinet Committee. Uh, so really I would say it's a change not just from one day to the next, but it is a change that we've seen with our community transmission happening with some large outbreaks that are very concerning and uh, we wanted to make sure that we had the time to bring that forward to our decision makers because it does have a very significant impact on our population and these are not measures to be taken lightly so it's more of a, a change that's happened I would say again over the past week or so that we've been watching this situation unfold and feeling that the time was coming um, nigh to make take these uh, steps that we needed to take and then had the chance to have that fulsome conversation with uh, the Emergency Management Cabinet Committee today. All right, we'll take two more from the phone and we'll wrap up. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? The next question is Chris F. with CTV. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. Question for Dr. Hinshaw or the Premier. You've both hinted at um, hoping not to take further precautions. I'm just wondering what's left to do at this point. Is there anything else, um, sort of a complete, I guess, lockdown on all business that could be done in Alberta? Um, and just as part of that, too, any concerns about any other political leaders, specifically south of the border, who may be hinting at already at relaxing social distancing rules, what effect that could have on the public? So I uh, would say that, as you mentioned, we have taken now quite restrictive measures. Uh, we will continue to watch the impact of those measures, watch our, our community transmission. Uh, we've also seen some other provinces, such as Quebec, really ban all gatherings. Uh, so not just limiting a number, but essentially saying no one can gather together outside the home. Uh, and there would be potentially some of those considerations, uh, again, depending on how the situation unfolds. Uh, but the important thing is, again, as we have always done, is watching our own local situation, understanding the impact of the measures that we've taken, and then making decisions while balancing the overall well-being of Albertans with respect to the ability to go to work, earn a living, uh, enjoy time with, with friends and family over and against the threat of the virus. And all of these things are important to our overall health. None of these decisions are easy, and again, that's, that's kind of why we've we've taken that deliberate uh, stepwise approach with respect to uh, other countries that might be making other decisions um, I think that the important thing that has been done here and that's been done across the country with the the Canadian government and the US government coming to a mutual agreement to limit non-essential travel across the border because we know that in the United States there are many cases of COVID right now and so I think for for our own uh, health of our population, what I would say is that people should be 
watching what happens uh, not just at home but you know in other places and if they are making decisions about uh, what to do the best recommendations to follow are those that are local so I would recommend not looking to other countries and following their recommendations but following our own because the measures that we are taking are specific to our province to our population and to our context uh, and so we'll, we'll have to watch closely and see what unfolds uh, in our neighboring countries but ultimately we, we are responsible for our own population and the measures that we're taking are really focused on that I don't know if there's anything else to add operator can you put through the next caller please What's up, next caller is Stephanie Russo yeah, I mean, of Canada go ahead Stephanie I think it's ready, Ken. It is. Bonjour, Stephanie. Stephanie Russo, if you're there, please uh, go ahead with your question. Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, my question is also for Dr. Insha. I'm just wondering um, how many tests are done daily in Alberta? Is there a backlog in, in testing? And uh, how many results are we waiting for? Uh, so thank you. I apologize. I cannot respond in French. Uh, but so the number of tests that's been done every day has been a little lower over the last several days. So over the last several days, the tests uh, that have been run is about a thousand. Um, as I think everyone knows, we did change our testing protocol on Monday. Uh, we did have several uh, thousand swabs that had been taken previously that we hadn't had a chance to process. And over the course of this week, we've worked through those swabs. Uh, effective today we're starting testing for healthcare workers and our lab is able to process swabs at a higher rate now so we do have all the necessary supplies to be able to test so we're expecting that our lab will be able to process well over 2,000 swabs today and we'll be back up to over 3,000 swabs by tomorrow uh, so again there was over the course of this week several things that happened which included our shifting in testing policy really focusing now more on local trends transmission less on returning travelers ensuring that we work through all of the returning travelers that we had previously tested uh, and now again kind of focusing in on that healthcare uh, component as well as anyone who's hospitalized long-term care facilities uh, and our family physician surveillance in the province all right we'll leave it there thanks very much everyone all right, you've been listening to a news conference with uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, uh, Premier Kenny, and a couple of ministers as well, outlining numerous changes um, over the past 24 hours. Just, I'm just going to go over a couple of things here. We'll take a break and then we'll dissect it a little bit deeper on the other side. So just some things that you need to know right now. In Alberta, 56 new cases bringing to a total of 540. 42. There's been still uh, two deaths. We've had 33 people recover. Um, we believe that 42 of these are uh, community transmission. 23 people are in the hospital, 10 in ICU. I can tell you that uh, the province has put in additional restrictions to stop the spread of COVID-19, which uh, changes numbers when it comes to mass gatherings and where you're able to go. Uh, the province has also also increase some security for Alberta uh, renters. We'll tell you about that 
and the vehicle or the province has uh, restricted automobile access to um, provincial parks. Automobile access is temporarily suspended at access points to all provincial parks as well as provincial recreation areas.